Namaste, my good people. My name is Kathy Patton. And my name is Reverend Odell Montgomery Cooper, and we welcome you to Interruptions, Disrupting the Silence. We are your hosts this evening for the podcast. We have three remaining podcasts, Kathy and I, um, and we're excited at we're here. We welcome you again. And the reasons that we're having these podcasts, they serve as trailers for the online production called Interruption, Disrupting the Silence, which is scheduled to come online uh, September 5th and 6th. We will have details of how to secure your ticket within the next two podcasts. And we're really hoping that you sign on to see it. But meanwhile, during these podcasts, Kathy and I are going to have real life conversations about issues that are raised in the in the production that have happened in our lives, interruptions that have interrupted our lives and probably yours. So you've noticed if you've heard some of our previous podcasts, we've laughed at our gullibility. We've had some real talk conversation, some dialogues, some debates, and we've had some pretty interesting guests. The name of the podcast, Interruptions, Disrupting the Silence, is depictive of what happened in my life four years ago. My, I was happy. I was proud mother of two children in their 20s. And I was living my best life. And so were my children. And then one day I asked my son who was living in New York to come home for a special event. And we enjoyed ourselves a great weekend. And 12 hours later, he was murdered by mistaken identity. That night became a traumatic event for myself and my family. And this podcast and the production is to share that journey with you, our listeners, our viewers, to share the journey of trauma and the role that PTSD, depression, addiction, um, suicidal ideation played in my life, loss of employment, the detected from relationships, played in my life as well as my family and our journeys, our struggles and how we struggle to be where we are today. And I could tell you that I would not be here if I had not had a network of support, lots of prayers and faith. I can tell you my faith and my network. But being a minister, I struggled with my faith. I'm not sure of what God's decision was to why he let my son die. And what we do is we have honest conversations about what that looks like. And that is why you are here today. So we thank you. We welcome you back and glad that you are here. And I share the commonality of the fallout of my life being interrupted was when my child was diagnosed with autism. But before we get started with this evening's podcast, we ask that you please press the like button and subscribe to our program. We also uh, welcome comments as questions and questions, as you can see from our last podcast, because I know our viewers are out there. So we appreciate the comments and questions coming in. And then finally, please share the program. We've gotten so many comments that people are really enjoying it and are sharing with other people that they know had life interruptions. And we know that that happens. And so please share the program because we know someone you know may need to hear it especially this podcast. Mm -hmm. So what happened is uh, between the months of May and June, we had table read, two table readings. And during those table readings, we had the actual cast do interviews. We had over 60 guests who was observing the production and it was wonderful. However, during these two um, table readings, people wanted to know more about this particular scene today. So in interruptions, the scene mm -hmm. is called Shut It Down. We're calling this podcast Take It Back and you will understand why. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to know more. They kept saying, how did you do this? How did you get this done? Who helped you? Well, because the podcast, because the, because the, because the production is only 90 minutes, we can't put six months into a 90 minute production. For four so, years, right? Well, 
for four years. <laughs> so the details are outlined in the book that I wrote, and we invited two very special guests to be with us today to help us discuss the details of what happened that night that we decided to take back a community. So today we have with us um, our special guests, um, we have uh, Sergeant Anorfio and we have Philip Kent. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. And thank you for having us. Um, so my name is Philip Kent. Uh, I'm an attorney in New Haven uh, for about the last 20 years. Uh, currently a partner at Sussman Duffy and Segaloff in New Haven. Uh, prior to that, I was a public middle school teacher uh, with Teach for America. Uh, I've been involved in public service projects for about 20 years. And about four years ago, almost uh, just almost to almost exactly four years ago, I got involved with an organization called Connect um, through uh, Reverend Odell Cooper. Um, and because of largely because of the story of what happened uh, to her son. And for those who don't know what Connect is, it's a it's a broad based, um, faith based, diverse uh, community organizing group that takes on local, state and national issues. Um, and I'll put in a, a, a little plug. <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll come up in front of the session uh, that uh, either this special session or the next. One. So thank, thank you. you for having me. Sergeant. Oh. And I'm Sergeant William Onofrio. I'm a member of the Hamden Police Department. I've been there for 16 years. Um, I met Odell um, on the night of uh, April 23rd, uh, 2016. I was a detective assigned to the Major Crimes Unit, and I was assigned to her son's homicide. And I, uh, I met her that night, and um, had a relationship with her since. And uh, we've done some good things together, and uh, we continue to do those things. Um, I'm currently the community liaison for the Hampton Police Department, uh, and I'm working with Odell on a couple other projects, so community-oriented projects that we have going. Yes. Um, before we get started, thank you, too, for being here. Before we get started and people start calling Kathy and I a sellout. Um, <laughs> It is important for our listeners to know that Kathy and I are supporters of Black Lives Matter. Um, we are, Phil and I, and all of us have, um, do understand police profiling does happen, um, race crimes, and we are on the forefront of fighting for injustice. However, today is not that day. There are times when you come into a place where you work with a police department and a mayor's office, and when they are helpful, it's okay to say thank you and to highlight the good deeds that were done, and this is one of them. So let me set the tone so everybody knows where we are. So four years ago, um, my son was murdered somewhere outside of a pizza bar called Slice in Hamden. And it was said that the sh proposed shooter was in that vicinity, and that's where my son was shot by mistaken identity. Um, Reverend Anderson, I was, after he was murdered, I'd gone through my, going through my grief and trauma. And one of the people who was on my healing team, um, said to me one day, find a way to honor your son's memory. And that thought just resonated in the back with me. And later on, a couple of months later, I heard on the news that another black man had been shot in the same vicinity, same Friday night, same time. And this time I wasn't numb to the news. It resonated a different call and response for me, and I needed to do something. So Phil and I are members, well, Kathy also, because she goes to Mount Airy. We're <laughs> all, we are all members of Connect. So I contacted Connect and said, what can we do to stop the violence? And no, we, we, he didn't know. Um, our lead organizer said, I don't know. Let me get back to you. And 
three things. I wanted to find out how can I prevent another mother from waking up the way that I did at 1.30 in the morning and receiving a phone call that their, that their son was shot around the same vicinity, the same location. And that was the call to action. And that was how I got connected with Philip Kent and Detective Anorfio that I met that night. So Odell, I want to ask the sergeant a question, but I just want to ask you a question as well, or maybe you or Phil can just explain to us what Connect is. Phil? No, I mean, yeah, sure. Um, Connect, Connect uses a, a community-based uh, organizing model to organize people and money um, around specific issues that are raised up through stories that come to us from the members of the, of the I think it's now 28 different uh, faith institutions that are part of Connect. So those institutions are Christian churches, uh, Jewish synagogues, Muslim mosques, uh, Sikh temples, you know, uh, a variety of different faith uh, organizations. And all in Southern Connecticut and New Haven and, and Fairfield County, uh, representing now about 20 to 25,000 uh, congregants at those various institutions. So we go out, we listen to their stories, and they help identify through their personal experiences the issues, um, whether it's local, state, or national issue, that, that you know, we ought to be organizing around and talking to legislators and people in power uh, about doing something about. Okay, thank you. So this case, when I called our lead organizer, didn't fall with didn't fall into the realm of how we normally accept a call to action. Mm -hmm. This was a this was different and not being a church that originated the call or a member of Hamden. Um, it was very different. But the call to action was how do we prevent um, the killings? of innocent black men who live in New Haven and Hamden, and how can we help make a difference? Okay, thank you. Thank you for that explanation. And Sergeant Anafrio, if I say detective, forgive me, because I know you just got your promotion, so congratulations. <laughs> uh, can you, we, I want to go back to Slice. Can you tell me the type of um, illegal activities that were happening around Slice anyway, and the frequency of these activities? So we're we're having a, we're having a huge problem there. Um, I pulled a little bit of stats from 2016 just to give you kind of a picture of mm -hmm. what we were looking at. Um, from the first of the year in 2016 to the 31st of December, uh, we had 1,036 calls for service um, on that little stretch of Arch Street. I can't say that all those are associated, but Arch Street is about a quarter mile long. Um, I would say large majority of those calls are associated with that establishment. Um, and the types of problems we were having, the major issues were um, shootings, um, aggravated assaults, uh, fights, um, threatening breaches, drug sales, uh, some stolen cars, some robberies. I think we had a couple of sex assaults. Um, so some pretty pretty major violent crime occurring on a very small uh, section. Um, there was a corner um, part of Fitch, um, Pine Rock, um, and Arch Street is where it was in Hamden. Um, not a whole lot else around it. Nothing else open at night besides the gas station. Um, so it was mainly the violent crime um, that was really occurring because of that establishment. Mm -hmm. Which is really surprising because, as you said, it's a small, very small area. So that's really surprising. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and Phil, I know we talked about your connection with Connect, which forgive the pun. Right. <laughs> but uh, so tell me, really, how did you get involved? Sure. Um, I had known about Connect. I'd been talking with the lead organizer for a little while, um, maybe doing some smaller things. And I got an email uh, from, from Matt McDermott, the lead organizer, um, telling me that, that this shooting had happened, uh, that, uh, that Jonathan Cooper had been murdered in Hamden. Um, I happen to live in Hamden. And 
you know, really struck me because this was a this was a neighborhood um, in Highwood. It's called Highwood in, in Hamden. It's only about two or three miles from my house. Um, and, you know, essentially it was just asking, could I get involved? Um, you know, what you know, what kind of bandwidth did I have to be able to get involved? Um, I, you know, heard the story about what happened and um, and it was something that struck me is, you know, yeah, of course I can get involved. This is, this is not something that should happen to any parent, uh, or any of their children. And I got three boys in this town growing up. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, one of them just graduated from high school today, you know? So in my mind, it was, uh, it was just something that needed to be done. Right. So what, when you say you got involved to detail a little bit about what you had to do when you said you got involved. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think as, as Odell touched on, you know, we, this wasn't the normal connect sort of uh, problem that would take a legislative fix. So we had to strategize a little bit more about how that was going to, you know, how, how could we address this? Uh, and especially the violence that was going on at this establishment. Um, someone had come up with the idea of possibly doing a petition to remove the liquor license of this establishment, um, you know, as well as trying to open a dialogue with the owners and to see whether or not they would essentially either clean it up or would we have to do some type of work to close it down. Uh, which is kind of how we were thinking about it at the time. And, um, you know, there was there was a lot of discussion. Should we should we go to the liquor board? Should we go to the zoning board of appeals in town and try to deal with um, the establishment in some other way? Uh, should we do a protest or, or some type of vigil or those type of things? Um, but fairly quickly on the, the idea of doing what they call a remonstrance petition, um, which is, uh, you know, under the under the Connecticut General Statutes 30-39, if anybody really wants to look at it. Um, <laughs> it's my they want it. They want it detailed. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but it's a very straightforward process. Um, and, and because it was so straightforward, I think that's one of the reasons why it was attractive, you know. It, it, it only takes 10 residents of the town to file a petition to oppose either the granting of a liquor permit or the renewal of a liquor permit. In this, in this case, we'd be trying to oppose the renewal. Um, but the key is you have to do it on time uh, because if you don't do it prior to the renewal, they don't really look back um, over the prior year after they've granted the renewal in terms of anything that's happened at that establishment. Um, you have to allege that the establishment is, is either uh, an unsuitable you know, location or, or premises because maybe it's in proximity of churches or schools or something like that, or that the permittee who's going to get the license to, to have alcohol there is, is unsuitable in some way. Um, and based on all the violent activity that was going on here, I think that was a fairly uh, easy allegation to put forth. Mm -hmm. uh, there were, I think, as, as the sergeant indicated, you know, we knew of about 35 different incidents that were quite violent uh, um, within the last year prior to uh, you know, the, the renewal period that you know had uh, really motivated us to go in this direction. So from there, we started having meetings, um, strategizing a little bit more. This was in August of 2016 when I first got involved. Uh, found out eventually that we had to file that petition by late September if we wanted to get it in on time. And so we didn't have a lot of time to really work this out. Mm -hmm. um, but we started having meetings. Uh, I met Odell and, and some of the others who were involved early on, Liz Keenan. Um, Reverend Philippe Bendal, uh, a few others. Um, the rabbi at my synagogue, Rabbi Brockman, was involved uh, in different ways. And um, and basically we said, look, we only need 10 signatures, but we want to show that, that it's not just 10 people out there who want this bar to be dealt with. Um, 
you know, we wanted to show that the, the neighborhood was behind us. So we organized teams of, of two people to go knocking through the neighborhood in Highwood door to door, gathering signatures for the petition. In the first day that we went out, we got about 82 signatures from people who lived right in that neighborhood. Wow. And we're talking yeah. about people who had bullets that went through the side of their homes. Um, you know, people who are who lived in close proximity who had to deal with, you know, you know a lot of, of, of misconduct that was going on, and, mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you know, all kinds of bad stuff going on. Um, the noise, of course, and different things. Uh, but the bullets going through the homes and people telling us stories about how they had to, you know, they had to hide their children down on the floor um, to try to stay safe from something else happening, you know, worse to them. Uh, so we got 82 signatures that first day. We circulated the petition in other areas of town as well and ended up with 231 signatures. And that's what we ended up submitting at the end of September of 2016. Thank you. And, sure. and Sergeant Anafrio, um, I know that there's a college right there, Southern Connecticut, a major state college is right there. Um, and I, I understand that they have their own police department. But did you have to work in collaboration with them? Did you often get calls from them in reference to the violence that was happening at Slice? And then, Phil, I think it's a question for both of you, really. How did Southern did Southern play a part? in all of this um, in terms of getting signatures or making complaints. So I want to start with Sergeant Onofrio with the response for that. Um, from our perspective, yeah, Southern didn't have a whole lot of involvement in any of the investigations um, or in, in closing this and from the police perspective. Um, Southern would respond for mutual aid uh, when there was incidents. Um, probably most of the shootings they probably also responded to. Um, but it's, for the most part, I think they were kind of at arm's reach. Um, they played a role in uh, Jonathan's homicide where they they did retrieve a lot of the surveillance footage for us uh, from the area, from the university, uh, into the city of New Haven. Um, but I personally did not have a whole lot of involvement with uh, the Southern University uh, Police Department um, okay. in terms of tackling this problem. Okay. So one of the roles that um, when Connect decided that, yes, we wanted to move forward, um, I called the, I called the sergeant and, you know, he, he said when he came to my house, if you need anything, call me. So that's what I did. I called him <laughs> and said, I know you're sorry you said that um, and said, you know, can you set up meetings for us to meet with the mayor? and the police chief and it was uh, Chief Weiger at the time. We wanted to have meetings and we were going to need additional information and because we didn't have a rapport with them. We didn't have a relationship with them so we needed the detective to open the doors and make that introduction and I remember Phil, the I had to go to the meeting with the mayor and he thought we were just a, a bunch of church growers who wanted to talk about programs and how to make the community safe. And after I mentioned to him that I was the mother of the slain son and we wanted to work with him to stop the violence in Hamden, he looked at us so surprisingly that he said, this never happens. We never have an organization come and want to partner with us. Mm-hmm. It changed his tone of voice, his demeanor. And he said, what do you need? How can I help? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. And I, I think that's where I really heard the story first from you, uh, because you did tell it to the mayor at that meeting. And, you know, I, I have to agree when when we went in. You know, one of the things that Connect does is have to build those relationships, right, to help get things done. Uh, a lot of it is about building relationships and sharing personal stories. Um, we met with the mayor. We met with the police chief at a separate meeting. And I think um, the then deputy chief, uh, Capiello, uh, came to the meeting with the mayor, if I recall, uh, along with a few others from Connect. 
we did go out and meet with the with the southern uh, you know the SCSU police department as well. The chief and the deputy chief there um, were happy to help. Uh, and by the time by the time we left that meeting with the mayor, his I don't know his exact words, but but they were in essence, you know, let's let's do this. Uh, we're going to do this with you. Um, and the, you know, the response was pretty good. Um, we, we ended up getting us a, a letter in support from the mayor to go with our petition. We, we did. ended up getting a letter in support from the SCSU uh, chief, as well as the uh, police chief Weiger at the time. Um, and we even got a, a letter of support from the president of SCSU that we submitted ultimately with the petition as well. And along with that, which was truly important because we, you know, this, this ends up being the, the hearings in front of the liquor control board end up really being like a trial. Um, we ended up having 16 witnesses that went up in front of the board. Uh, wow. A number of them being members of the Hamden police department. Um, and, you know, as well as uh, from the SCSU police department and others. Um, and all of that support was critical as well as ultimately a little reluctance in the beginning from Hamden Police Department to share, uh, you know, the all the police reports because of concerns over open investigations and different things. But ultimately, they were very open and shared with us all of those 35 different events that that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. which became critical pieces of evidence in front of that board that I think was was very um you know, important in, in terms of getting the decision that we ultimately got. And when we had the hearings in Hartford, um, you never knew who was going to be called um, because the owner's lawyer, now Phil, I'll let you add those wonderful pieces in, was very uh, strategic and crafty. Mm -hmm. So the mayor and the police chief had to stay all day because they never knew what time they were going to be called. Right. And when I say this is one of those times where you have to say, thank you. I didn't get, if this was important to me, um, I didn't get, I'm sorry, Odell, we can't be here. The mayor can't show up. He has an emergency or the police chief has to be someplace. They were present and they stayed all day and they testified. Um, the one piece that I was told that I had, what made me come interested, interesting was I couldn't testify. One, I wasn't a Hamden resident. And because my son's case was still open, they didn't want me to divulge anything that I knew mm -hmm. that could damage the case. Right. So my voice was silent. So taking them to court didn't, John's case wasn't even a factor. It was everything else. Yeah, that, that's true. When we, um, you know, we were considering, you know, whether we should have you as a witness, um, you know, and the strong, the strong suggestion was that because it was an open case, that wouldn't be a good idea. Um, but with the help of the department, you know, we knew that we had another 34, you know, or so events that were quite serious, including other shootings. Um, and so that played a major role in how we, how we went about doing the strategy and planning the exhibits and the witnesses. I also wanted to say, before I tell you about the tricks of the other side, <laughs> um, we went down to slice, you know, because as I said before, connect wants to make relationships, right? We want to try to have a dialogue at the very least. Um, and if not, we try to find other ways, uh, either, either besides that or in a conjunction with that. But we went down there to try to talk to the owner and, 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 um, you know, this was in September, um, probably, probably mid-September prior to a, a press conference that preceded the filing of the petition. Um, we went in, the owner wasn't there. We ended up seeing, there was, there was myself, uh, Matt McDermott, Darlene Butler from the town, um, who also lived in, in that neighborhood, um, who was very helpful. And, uh, and the Reverend Philippe Endal was the group from Connect that went in. We met with the manager on duty at the restaurant um, who coincidentally we had met when we were canvassing the neighborhood for signatures and she never told us when we were meeting with her previously asking for a signature that she worked there um, just that she wasn't going to sign the signature 
uh, the petition, I should say. Um, we went up to her and we said, look, we're going to file this petition, but we want to talk with you about trying to clean up this establishment, trying to make it a safer place uh, because they advertise themselves as a family friendly environment, uh, which was not really true. Mm. Um, and she said to us, and I don't know if this is an exact quote, but but it's pretty close. You know, what do you expect us to do? This isn't our fault. We we we're in a we're in a low income black neighborhood. And you could have heard a pin drop as people were picking up their jaws from the floor. Mm -hmm. Because the clear message there was that black people are just going to go out and shoot each other. You know, what do you expect? Mm -hmm. um, and at that moment, we knew for sure, you know, we weren't going to get anywhere with this, this owner. Um, they didn't want to address the problem. And we knew that filing the petition was the right thing to do. Uh, so within about a week or so, we went forward with that and, uh, and headed into the hearing. Um, and I, I'll just, I don't want to speak too much about the tricks of the other side. I will say he subpoenaed my wife to come testify. Because <laughs> she was one of the persons that signed the uh, petition. He subpoenaed um, former Mayor Jackson's wife, who had also signed the petition, mm. um, and a number of other people that he believed, I think, would be somewhat intimidating to our side. Um, he also accused us in the hearing of being paid by competitors of the bar uh, to to come out and, and put all of this effort behind, you know, closing the bar down. When in fact, not a single person who was involved in this effort got paid a dime. Everything from you know the legal work that was done to the canvassing the neighborhoods was all done you know pro bono for free because it was the right thing to do. So, and when I heard that that was her response, I remember Matt saying, "Odell, we're, we're glad you weren't there." Yeah. Um, yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't there either. So we eventually had a press conference okay. and we had a press conference outside. The mayor was present, the police chief, others. And when I tell you that there was a about 30 people, mm -hmm. mats outside of Slice on the corner. And it was if I think about it today, it was the most difficult place for me to stand. I'm standing in the parking lot of Slice and I'm looking across at the gas station where my son was coming out of and the shooter saw him. Mm -hmm. So that was where I was standing and I had to speak. And it was a difficult day, an emotional day of standing in that spot, having this conversation. And when we asked them to try to clean up, they said, no, we just want the black people's money and we don't care what they do with their lives. Right. Um, come buy our pizza. We're going to sell you drugs. Mm -hmm. We don't care if you shoot one another. And but. We, we want to stay. So 30 people. Mm -hmm. And what still rubs me a little bit today is Black Lives Matter. That's why I mentioned earlier that my son's case is not a characteristic that falls under the umbrella of Black Lives Matter. He wasn't killed under a racist crime. He wasn't shot by a police. He was shot by another black person. And only 30 people showed up at this press conference. And it was Connect members, uh, reporters. Um, I have to give props to my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta, Incorporated New Haven alumni chapter was present. Um, and when you see the production, there is a surprise that I'm not going to say because I want you to see the production. <laughs> there was a Are you going to show pink and green? Is that what you're going to say? There was a huge surprise of love yeah. that showed up to lend their voice um, towards shutting, towards having them to lose their liquor license. I'm not going to say who. Right, I want right, you to right. see the production. Right. Um, but that's what we did. 
So I, I do want to ask a question and I, and I wanted to ask it of all three of you, actually, because Odell, you mentioned something really important. And so I want to start with Sergeant Onofrio, then Phil and then Odell, if you would answer um, last. But you mentioned the poor, poor black neighborhood, which I honestly I'm really just not surprised that that was their um, emotions and their statement of what of what they shared. But Odell mentioned something really key in terms of that this is not the typical type of case that goes into the media. And the reason that we know that that happens is what do you say to people when they say this is not something that will get the amount of attention that it needs from, from a mother's perspective, from a community's perspective, because it was not a situation, not only where a young black man was not killed by a police officer, but not was not killed by a white police officer, that it will get less attention because it was a black on black crime. So Sergeant Onofrio, how what would you say if someone said that, shared that with you? Um all right. this this should have this should have been a, a huge thing. Um and it was a flash in the pan. Um it was probably a new story for one day. Um this is actually a, a serial killer uh, incident. If you really put it into your perspective, um, this person has killed two people within 24 hours, mm. uh, one in New Haven, one in Hamden, and has probably received uh, one news headline, um, probably no follow-up. Um, not a huge reaction from our community, um, especially seeing that people were getting used to the violence in that little section of Hamden. Um, Hearing reports of gunshots, um, seeing the police in, in the area, was it was not surprising to anybody. Um, and we, like I said, we responded to over a thousand times in the year. Yeah. There, um, so it wasn't I, a it wasn't a surprise. No, no. And yeah. I, I was a major crime detective. Um, every weekend, I anticipated my phone was going to ring at two o'clock in the morning, and mm -hmm. most weekends it did. Uh, Friday, Saturday night, I was going to be leaving my house, getting out of bed, and I was going to be going to that corner or somewhere nearby, investigating another shooting, another robbery, another assault, um, something associated with that. Odell uh, posed a question to me um, last week um, at a meeting, and I, I, I didn't really know how to answer it. Um, she asked why the Hamden Police Department if we knew we had such an issue with this bar, why we didn't do anything to close it. And honestly, mm -hmm. I don't know why. We investigated one incident at a time. Um, we tried to target the bar. We sent the SWAT team in. We did drug raids there. We did as much as we knew to do in our playbook. Shutting down a business like this that was causing a problem in the neighborhood wasn't in our playbook at the time. Uh, we didn't have the, the community relationships. We didn't have the partnerships. Um, we maybe didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so we, we let it go on. We just investigated one after another, after another, um, until this group, um, got together and kind of showed us the light. And my involvement was a like, Odell was talking to me about this and asked me what was going on in the neighborhood. And I gave her as much information as I possibly could mm -hmm. give my honest opinion of what was going on. And, you know, my support. Yeah. I didn't know how to do it either. I didn't know how to do this. And I just said that to Doyle the other day that, you know, I know what you did. I know, you know, you went to, you got the liquor uh, permit pulled. I don't know how you did that. I don't know the process still. Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to, to see it now. Um, but it all, it's all part of partnerships. And uh, we need a resource like Phil Kent. Uh, we need a brain like that to mm -hmm. tell us where to go and how to do it. And we mm -hmm. didn't have that. Thank you. Thank you. And and Phil, what would you say? Uh, I Well, I'm going to start with thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I I think the original question was was dealing with the, the type of crime that was going on here. Um, I would just say. You know, to me, I mean, living in this town, wanting to see this place to be uh as good as it can be and and knowing the things that have happened in town since then you know there's still a lot of work to do uh in hand on all kinds of fronts um 
but it's work that is worth doing. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, when, when we started talking to people in the neighborhood, you know, getting personal with them, asking them what their experiences was or were, that was um, really eye-opening. I didn't, I had no idea at the time that people two or three miles, you know, down the road from me were, were having to endure this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just really struck me. And, and, you know, my mom also lost, you know, my older brother died when, when, you know, in his twenties, it was not a, um, a crime, you know, but I know how that affected my mom and that, um, you know, motivated me too. But I think on the larger issue, this is the type of thing that people care about. Um, and if you go out and talk to them, they will tell you that. But they're also some are scared. You know, we had people who we right. wanted to have witnesses who wouldn't do it because they were, you know, legitimately afraid that something would come back on them from, you know, other folks who, you know, in the neighborhood who, who you know, might go out and commit another crime in retaliation for a witness stepping forward, uh, which was a real challenge in, in this kind of work. Um, and. You know, the research was not promising either. You know, I, I researched the three the three years of liquor related cases prior to this case going forward. And virtually all of them granted the liquor license to the establishment or the renewal. Uh, only mm-hmm. only about one in three years had been denied. So, you know. I, I think that something had reached a critical mass here. It's very hard for, for the liquor board to turn away from, you know, the the type of violence and the type of, of crime that was happening here. Um, but it also took a, a lot of people to come together and say, we want to do something about that. And I, and I think that um, if we continue to build those relationships and, and talk to people about what's going on in their neighborhoods, then that is going to be a real key to getting people off the couch um, and getting them engaged uh, and having them address these types of issues more head on than just wishing that something would be done about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Odell, for you. I didn't know what I was doing when I did it. I just, um, Again, I was told to think of something to honor my son's memory. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to prevent another mother from waking up the way that I did on that day, because that was very painful. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I couldn't stop gun violence. I couldn't keep guns off the street. I wasn't trying to be a martyr and to get shot. I just wanted to stop it from this area again. I heard it again in this area, same vicinity, same time. And it's how can we make a difference? Mm-hmm. So that another mother doesn't receive this phone call. And we had no idea what we were doing. We were all scrambling around and we figured it out. Phil came up with this idea. Um, he said we met. I don't remember meeting you, Phil. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even know what I said. <laughs> um, I was probably a bucket of tears. Um, yeah. But I just how do I help another mother not walk in my shoes? Mm -hmm. And that was where I was. And the detective, I remember calling you, you were on speed dial. I could call you and you would return my phone calls. You would answer questions for me. And I think for right now, this was the first time I heard you classify the proposed shooter as a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that, that makes sense. So if this was another neighborhood, would that had been classified immediately? Oh, we have a serial killer on the loose and this is what's going on. Please stay away from this area. Be careful. Lock your doors because we have a serial killer. Never That never happened. The media never said that in our community. Right. I re- I remember, um, and I don't know if I told you this, I remember um, asked to meet another mother whose son died, I was told, the day before my son. 
Um, and she was stuck. She was emotionally stuck. And the person felt that she and I, um, I could help her to find her way to get into counseling. She and I met, I had never met her. She and I met at a public place for breakfast. And I said to her, you know, very casually at the restaurant, do you know who shot your son? And she said, yes, the same man that shot your son. Mm. And my heart, I mean, tears just started rolling down my eyes that I'm sitting here talking to this woman who that this man the night before shot her son, killed mm-hmm. her son, and the next day kills my son. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Detective Sergeant, he was a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our communities were never warned that we have a serial killer at loose and this is what he looks like. Yeah. Be on the alert. It never, why doesn't that happen for us? Right. So, so I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, not only do we have that going on and it's a lot more than just those two cases. Um, it was part of a larger gang that there was multiple people doing the same thing that could be classified the same way. And I really only took grasp of this gang's operation when I started investigating this case. So even me as a major crimes investigating detective, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge that this gang was wrecking this kind of havoc in our cities either. Um, it really wasn't public knowledge. It was uh, knowledge that um, law enforcement was probably keeping to their chest um, mm-hmm. after investigating it, um, which probably should, I mean, there should have been some something put out there mm-hmm. to let the citizens know what was actually going on in these neighborhoods and you know what these people were doing. Yeah. And and then Sergeant um, and and Phil, you met Odell obviously at a very difficult time in her life. Are you surprised um, that she was able to really push forward and get sliced shut down the way she did? And no, she credits other people. It was her diligence, um, not only as a mother but a, a, a minister and an African American woman, knowing that she did not want to see another mother go through this. So, are you surprised that she had the diligence to do? that you know that's that's a great question kathy um you you never know how people are going to respond right but the because this is a crushing you know absolutely crushing moment uh for for any mother and for this to happen in in such a violent way i just think that that's got to be i can't put myself in in your shoes odell but you know, I know when when my mom lost our brother, my brother, her son, um, absolutely crushing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that never leaves you. And so to have that strength, I mean, um, you know, we haven't talked much here directly about mental health uh, as well. You know, I know this is, uh, uh, you know, there's there's, you know, my mom struggles with some mental health issues as well. And, and there's um, so much, so much strength in people like Odell um, to be able to 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 pick up the pieces as much as possible, um, and to do that day after day after day mm-hmm. is, yeah. I mean, the the amount of strength that that takes uh, to be able to do that, I, I can't even imagine. It's just, it's just. Um, not only laudable, but it's the type of thing that you you have to stand up and recognize that um, someone like Odell can go through this and and not totally fold in under herself forever, right? Mm-hmm. Say something's got to be done, um, and bring a group around her to help her do that. And uh, you know, I think that that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And Sergeant, when you first met her, uh, did you know that she was going to go this far? (laughs) (laughs) Having you on speed dial. Did you know? (laughs) No, I mean, when I first met Odell, um, she greeted me and walked out of police headquarters. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And then we followed up days, a couple days later, a day later. Um, she's become a great friend. Um, somebody I could, uh, she's got consultant. I run a lot of things by her. Um, but no, you know, I did that. Did not uh, expect to develop that type of relationship um, or to be in contact as often as we are. No. Kathy, when the when the detective came to the house to give us a midway update, um, Jackie was so mean to him. <laughs> I, I actually had to apologize. I was so embarrassed because um, that was her brother. Um, right, right. And he was telling us that through two weeks of investigation, they were investigating John's character. Um, and that was hurtful for us mm -hmm. that they investigated his character. And he came back to say, we looked in the lowest places of criminals and no one knew your son. Then we went up a little level. No one knew your son. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until they got to high schools and um, basketball leagues and people who were in college and high school. He said, your son had a very good reputation. He wasn't associated with this type of element. Mm -hmm. And my daughter jumped on him with all her hate and anger. Like you wasted three weeks. I could have told you this, <laughs> you know, and she just laughed at him and I, I had to apologize. I was going back. <laughs> but I'm sure, listen, that's how she felt at the time. And I am so sure that he's used to that. And I know, Sergeant, you said now with 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 this promotion, you have a different type of responsibility. Can you share a little bit about what that responsibility is in terms of community? Yeah, so I'm the community liaison. Um for our agency and I'm in charge of the neighborhood initiative unit. Um, I'm in charge of pretty much building these relationships and partnerships um, and addressing the quality of life issues, um, bridging that gap with our community, and opening dialogue, finding what we can do better, uh, how we can do it. Uh, Odell's not shy at telling me. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, a lot of liaison work, um, but it's building partnerships like this um, that I didn't even know I was building. Um, yeah. And, you know, it all came full circle. Um, that I'm like, you know what? And like what we what we did uh, was actually what we should be doing. And mm -hmm. we should be doing that for all levels of crime and crime life issues, any conflicts. We should have these these groups to, to rely on and to do it together. Uh, law enforcement can't do it alone. Like, I mean, there's a lot that I didn't know in this case. And um, we can't rely on just uh, two agencies, Hamden and New Haven, to mm -hmm. uh, police departments to, to do everything. Uh, we have to have to really have our citizens involved. And you know, there's a lot of smart people out there. There's a lot of Phil Kents that are willing to give us advice. So yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing. That's what we're working on. The most important part was my son lived in New Haven. The shooter lived in New Haven, but the crime happened in Hamden. Mm -hmm. So Hamden was the one that was able to, that had to solve the crime. Okay. Um, but detective, there is a please. Sergeant. Sergeant, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're on my phone as detective and, and Sergeant. Sergeant B, could you please? There is now a new facility in that same location where Slice used to be. Can you please tell us how many phone calls you are receiving now on criminal activities and shootings and customer complaints since Slice is closed and the new facility has taken over? So the place, it's, place isn't that much different. It's a restaurant. It has a bar. Um, they're not open late. Um, it's a much more responsible owner. Um, we have no violent crime associated with that establishment at all since they've opened. Um, since this happened, Arch Street alone, um, in the last three years, we've had two shootings. Not associated with the, with the bar, just the Arch Street area awesome. alone. So just two. I mean, I, it's two too many. Don't get me wrong, but it's a huge improvement for us. 
So you both are are aware that this was a long journey for Odell to be able to get to where she is. And I congratulate her and very, I'm very proud of her. I also would take liberty to say that I believe, um, Sergeant, and and I would think you would support this, that based on the work that she's done, it's kind of helped you uh, formulate trainings for your current police staff and how to handle uh, situations such as this and families as well, which we we know as a community is really important. And also want to include Phil's comment in terms of people with mental health, that that also should be included in the training as well, dealing with persons with mental health and families of people with mental health. So again, I want to congratulate her for doing this and thank you both for being our guests on the show this evening and want to turn it back over to Odell. Um, thank you. You too know I love you dearly. Um, you have a special, always will have a special place in my heart. You call, I'm always available. And I'm glad that Hamden area is uh, a lot safer. Um, so thank you. Um, Detect Sergeant, uh, you have to know that we are trying to establish a partnership with Connect so that we have a seat at the table that you're having every month. Um, that we are present with you and supporting you because like I said, when you have, when you're doing good, we need to support good. And we are here, Connect is here to support you. Thank you, you're always welcome, appreciate it. I will, I will be there. So our time is up and want to say thank you to our listeners. Um, next week we have, uh, Ooh, another podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, the podcast is called who wants to talk about that. <laughs> and in this podcast, again, it's a scene from the production where we're wrapping up issues and talking about issues on mental health, suicidal ideation, stress, anxiety, all the things that nobody wants to talk about. So it's labeled who wants to talk about that? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Our guest is the Reverend Ina Anderson. Um, you'll learn more about her next week. She is, she's also the writer and director of the production. And in case I wasn't clear, Phil and Detective, you're both in interruptions. You're in the production. <laughs> Uh, Phil, your name is mentioned, and Sergeant, you're doing a voiceover. Is that correct? Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So, yes, and doing a voiceover. So if you want to learn more about interruptions, you can text um, INT to 64600 and download my virtual business card. It's an easy card. Again, you can text INT to 64600. You can learn more about um, interruptions, our production that's coming. You can go to the website, which is www.2reinventyourself.com and we are we'll have more details about Mm -hmm. the production and when you again you see this podcast please subscribe to our station Kathy Kathy and I need about 60 more subscribers and what we're doing is that between now and 60 anyone that takes us over the 60 will qualify for a (laughs) t-shirt and Odell before you close out um, can you just share what our viewers will be seeing um, um, before we close out the podcast. So before you uh, before this closes, you will see the interview that was taken by I think it was Fox 61, I believe it's a, a local station mm-hmm. when um, the when Slice lost their liquor license. I was on the road coming back from vacation and the uh, reporter called me. She ran to my house, did a quick interview. And in that show, Slice an interview with me, I did a they did a phone call. A phone conversation with Chief Wydra and uh, Mayor Lane. And that's what you'll see. So that's what you'll see in the video. All right, great. Thank you. And we are so excited to see everyone next week. And thank you both again for joining us this evening. Thank you for having us. Thank Thank you. Proud, elated. 
glad justice has been served. That's how Odell Montgomery Cooper feels about Slice Pizza Bar not being able to renew their license. Her 24-year-old son, Jonathan, was shot dead outside by the restaurant last year. It was a case of mistaken identity. We just wanted to make sure that the neighborhoods were safe, that our children are safe who decide to go out and to have a drink. Over 200 signatures were collected from Hamden residents on their liquor privilege. Their decision supported by the town, the police chief, the Department of Consumer Protection, who issued this statement saying, quote, the liquor control division at the Department of Consumer Protection conducted a thorough investigation and the Liquor Control Commission heard three days of public comment before deciding to deny the restaurant liquor permit for Slice. Police Chief Thomas Wydra said just three weeks ago, another shooting took place outside of Slice after a gambling incident went wrong. We obviously had some, some bad people hanging out at Slice and then engaging in violence uh, outside of the doors, either at closing time or when disputes have happened within the bar. Right around the corner from Slice is Southern Connecticut State University. One student we spoke to says he feels safer knowing their renewal was not granted. In life, like you might come across certain stuff and honestly, Southern police do a great job at making us feel safe. While they can no longer serve alcohol, Slice remains open for food. Now, the owners of the restaurant say they feel as if they are being unfairly blamed and that the town should instead focus on eliminating people that is causing this crime. Live in the New Haven Bureau, Carmen Chow, Fox 61 News. Thank you, Carmen. Hamden's mayor also issuing a statement on the violence at Slice, saying in part, I'm very proud of Hamden's outstanding law enforcement and so thankful to Connect, uh, who put such tireless, tireless effort toward working to reduce gun violence in our society.